0: Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is A.J. Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and our guest today is Dr. Miao Huang, an investor with Kleiner Perkins, a storied VC firm out of Menlo Park. Miao is also a classmate of mine from LBJ High School Science Academy, Go Jags, and he's coming on the show today. One of the things we've been talking around the firm about is just all the buzz, uh, the increased buzz around Austin and also the city of Miami. Uh, related to the, to, you know, the alleged supposed tech flight from the Bay Area. So we thought we'd, I mean, we thought we'd talk to folks who were uh, from out in Bay Area uh, and also out in Miami, and those will be coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, but Meow was very unique because he's from Austin, grew up in Austin, and is now in the Bay Area. So I thought uh, I just pick my phone and call him, and you know, and he answered my call pretty quickly, and here we are. So Meow, Dr. Wong, welcome to the show.
1: AJ, thanks so much. I'm uh, honored to be here. And it's a delight to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is Austin.
0: Yes, yes. I'm sure you're like our ambassador out there. Um, then before we get into that, I want to get to what, what the role kind of, I think maybe it says itself, but what does investor mean in terms of Planet Perkins? So I look on your site, I see there are different, um, you know, your different titles, obviously different folks, but what is your day-to-day like?
1: That's a great question. So I think from a There's the internal perspective and the the external perspective, right? And I think the primary thing is from the external perspective, you know, we're one firm. Um, We all look at deals. We all write checks. We all take board seats. And we all do our best to help our companies grow and succeed. Um, And, you know, the titles are mostly a reflection of just how long have you been in this job? So that's kind of where it at.
0: Gotcha. And what areas do you focus in?
1: So my two main focus areas are um, what we call hard tech and enterprise software. So enterprise software piece of it, fairly self-explanatory. It's the software tools that companies use to build their products and build their businesses. Um, Hard tech. Well, we like to say that there's five things about hard tech. One is that there's hardcore science and engineering involved. Two is that it's hard to do right. And hard to copy if it's done right, right? Number four is that you know, oftentimes, not always, there's hardware as well as software involved. We have one foot in the physical world, and one foot in the digital world. And the final piece of it is that the venturable bets in hard tech are hard to find, right? So really, you know, we like to be a little bit more at the bleeding edge of where science and technology is at, right? So robotics, semiconductors, AI, aerospace, these are things that require some really deep knowledge about technology and engineering to be able to realize them. But, you know, it's also very easy to get too far beyond the boundary, to go into things that really are not ready to be commercialized or that will take so much money that, you know, it only makes sense for a company like Google or uh, Amazon to be pursuing them as long-term bets, as opposed to a startup where you can go from sort of, you know, zero to a hundred in a few years, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the area that we like to play and that I like to play, um, in part due to my background. Right. So I have a Ph.D. in aeronautics and astronautics.
0: You beat me to it. it. Yeah, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I I, I like consumer software. I like, you know, these cool gadgets and I like things. But like that's not where I can bring a lot of my expertise and and, and a lot of value to bear. Right. Um, When we talk about sort of investing, you know, we don't want to just be there with a check. We want to be with people as they build their companies. Right, and I think you know having some knowledge and some understanding of the underlying technology um, when you're talking about you know you're building robots, you're building self-driving cars, things like that, um, it's pretty valuable, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think I cut you off when you were listing your degrees, but let's repeat that again for for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess maybe I just dropped. I asked you what you know. I'm asking, so <laughs> drop, drop it.
1: I, I have. Uh, I did my undergrad in electrical engineering with a minor in controls and dynamical systems at Caltech, and then I have a PhD in aeronautics and astronautics from Stanford, and I did a postdoc at Berkeley.
0: Give made my nosebleed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, that's great, man. I mean, that's. I think just from, You know, the things we talked. remember I was talking a little bit in high school way back when. I mean, totally aligned, and I love you. Know, love what you're doing. So let's get to it with. Like what are you hearing about what, what, when you, let's, you've been in the Bay Area or in, in West coast for a number of years now. And what was the, let's say, what was this, what was the sentiment of Austin, the vibe of Austin? If there was any out there when you started school way back in the day. Um, and then, you know, obviously we're kind of, we're getting a sense where it is now, but I'd love to hear at the chatter about, what's, about Austin, what we're hearing about Austin now. So but obviously, Austin. real quick, obviously Austinites love ours. We love the city and it's, you know, the greatest thing. And, patios and breakfast tacos and everything else right but what do they like what's
1: what's the here's the first question which is as an austinite do you are you sure you want me to be telling the californians about how great austin is because
0: might be we're lobbyists man so we love you know we love new companies coming here because they need regulatory help policy.
1: well that that makes a lot of sense i I think the funny thing is you know so I, i grew up in austin obviously and i've maybe as of about you know, two or three years ago, I realized that I now spent more time in California than I had in Austin. So I guess I'm officially a California now. But the funny thing is just that when you, when we were growing up in Austin, I think California was this sort of, you know, mystical promised land, right? Like, you know, you go to LA to make it big in Hollywood, you go to Silicon Valley to make it big in tech. Like it was sort of the place that you talked about as like, oh, maybe that's a cool place that I wish I could get to. Um, the funny thing is in recent years, Austin has become a little bit of the dream place for some of many of my friends in Silicon Valley of, oh, you know, our jobs are here, but wow, Austin, you know, I could buy a house, my kids could have a lawn to play in, there's cool people, cool music, cool culture, cool food. Um, and so there's this real sense of like, almost, you know, this draw, right? Of, of Austin as like, yeah, that's where we would go if we weren't so, you know, tied to our jobs.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously, the times we're now this last year, um, you're not as you're not so much tied to your physical office space anymore. Yeah, that's right? for sure. Yeah, let's so move along. What do you, I'm just curious too, just what are you hearing about? I mean, I've heard similar a lot of articles about Miami as well. And that's more recent, but are you know is it? And maybe what are you hearing about that?
1: Well, the first thing I'll say is that. Everybody who's talking, you know, about how great Austin is and how great Miami is in the last, call it six months or so, I'm going to revisit them when uh, June and July comes around and yes. see if they're still feeling good. Um, especially Miami, <laughs> I, I've heard it can get quite nasty out there. Um, but you know, look, it's. I think the the buzz is good and the exodus is real, right? Um, I, you know, but I think it's a net positive in both cases. So one is that it just it with everything in, you know, sort of when you're building technology and building companies, right, is that there's a certain critical mass that you need. Um, not just in terms of the great technology talent, right, like great engineers, for example, but the infrastructure and ecosystem that grows up to support it, right? So the investors, great lawyers and legal teams that understand how startups and startup financing works, right? Um, great recruiters that help you find talent. And, you know, I think one of the things that's always... I wouldn't say held back, but, you know, it makes it slower to s- get off the ground in some of these other areas. It's just that you might have some great engineers, but a they're rare on the talent, and then even rarer is being able to find some of the other, you know, ancillary and support talent. Um, mm-hmm. Folks like you, who can actually help people navigate, you know, Thank where you. they need to be, right? Um, and so I think that to me is the other interesting aspect of this, is that there's also been a diaspora of not just great engineering talent, but all the other pieces that might come together to help companies get off the ground, right? So you're seeing venture capitalists come out, you're seeing legal firms come out, um, and and I think that's just a net positive for everybody because it creates because you know talent will draw talent, great companies will get spawned, and then they'll spawn other great companies. Um, and I don't, it's not like Silicon Valley is going away anytime soon, right? Um, if anything, you know, rent's dropping here. And so other people are going to move in here. So I think it's just a net positive for everyone and
0: everything. It's just you mentioned the uh, the, rent, the rent dropping. I saw an article in the New York Times this morning. It might have been, it was really from this week, but it talked about, it actually made a comparison with New York to Austin. Like rent's <laughs> dropping here. You know, relatively, you're young and starting your career. Now it's probably time to get to New York. <laughs> <'cause> it's <laughs> yeah. time better. And then, you know, like, you're, you know, you don't know what New York was before, right? So it's just, it's a new CD to you and it's cheap. <laughs> so yeah. I'm getting there now and to get that experience and the network and everyone talking to each other, everything else. So, um, from a founder team view, you know, one of the draws I know for, for Silicon Valley is was being close to, for founders and everything also being close to their funders or their VCs, right? Um, you know, was, I mean, you're seeing the same kind of uh, push, not push away, but it's migration or at least opening up a perspective on that. Um, Either from from the VCs who, who you know don't mind now if, if the people they're funding are in Salt Lake City or you know, Boise or else, or are they, is there still is there still a pressure to be close to your funders?
1: So let me let me think about how to answer that question. Um, I think what it's done is it's opened up people to possibility, right? That even if you are physically distant, you can still create some of the same sense of closeness in a more deliberate fashion, right? That you can still, I mean, let's be honest, um, having a conversation over Zoom is not the same thing as sitting down for a cup of coffee or, you know, dropping by your portfolio company and then Having a brainstorming session on the whiteboard. It just, you know, the bandwidth is, is lower. Um, and so it requires, you know, if you are physically dif- distant, it requires a little bit more effort to make these moments happen. But I think what we've seen is that it's possible to make these moments happen, even if you are physically distant. And so, you know, I think it really does. So it's made it, made people more open to the possibility. Um, and made people more accepting of it. I do think there is still a lot of value to physical proximity. And so I think what you may see happening is you know, people spending part of the year in Austin and part of the year in Silicon Valley, right? Or you know, coming out for a week or two and just you know, making sure that, that you create opportunities to meet, but also create serendipity, right? So that you can have that random cup of coffee that might turn into something and it might not.
0: I love that. I love that. I, mean, I definitely have a uh, the, the the future vision of the firm is to have our, our Sacramento, what so the capital of California, Sacramento, Austin, the DC <laughs> DC lot, uh, little flight and little selling offices. So, um, uh, w- what are you saying in terms of trends? Right. So the kind of companies that are coming out or they're moving to Austin, either relocating or opening up bigger footprints. Apple was a big one. Uh, I think out school well, pre COVID they announced they were almost doubling their footprint their campus and not here. Um, and it, as it stood, it was already the largest one outside of Cupertino, right? And so you have obviously Oracle's, they say relocating, but I'm sure that there's, <laughs> there's like the details on that. I'm sure there's other aspects that involved there. And then also we have Tesla, right? And their factory, I mean, they're, they're that, that should be up and running by the end of this year, if not sooner. Um, but what do you I mean, you know what Austin has to offer and just, where do you think this, this city's strengths are? Just from you know, your, I mean, I should say too, as background for those who aren't familiar with Client Perkins, it is, and this I don't think this is any understatement, one of the VC heavyweights. Any consumer, beyond that, will, any consumer-facing technology or product they are funders of or that you use, whether on your phone or anything else. And so I think y'all y'all are very poised to know where those trends are. And so I got to give it away to me, but just at a high level, where do you see those trends going? Let's say the next ten years, based on what Austin has. In our current infrastructure and trends out there?
1: That's a good question. Um, so, you know, Kleiner, I think we're about to hit our 50th anniversary. I think we might be the second oldest venture capital firm in the country, maybe in the world. Uh, and so, you know, institutionally, we've seen a lot, even if I haven't been here for all of it. Um, you know, I think Austin's always had a lot of great strengths, um, in particular in sort of semiconductors and hardware yeah right? so that's
0: buy, or at least we're buying for a samsung factory here i would I think four point something billion dollar huge factory
1: yeah samsung's there amd has been there for ages motorola was there right and so it's always been a hotbed of talent for people building physical um technology right and so in fact we have kleiner has a couple of um, portfolio companies that i work with very closely out there one is ambic micro which is this Incredible world beating um, low power chip company. And then the other is Cesium Astro, which is this uh, uh, active phased array satellite communications company, right? And, you know, very advanced you technology. You said that so
0: smoothly, man. You said that so smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know,
1: well, I, I mean, I, I like to think of it as maybe Wi Fi for satellites, right? It allows all Got these. It satellites that are, you know, shooting around at 17,500 miles per hour over the earth to be able to talk to each other and talk to things that are on the ground really easily, right? Um, and, and Austin's always been a, a great core of talent for people building these kind of things. And I think that's going to continue. I mean, especially with, you know, Apple and Tesla coming out there, right? That, um, that mix of people who can have one foot in the physical world and one foot in the digital world is only going to grow. And so that's probably the obvious answer. But, you know, I think there's also a lot of great, software and security talent that is coming up, right? So, you know, cybersecurity, I mean, you probably heard about all these, you know, Russian hacks, Solar Winds, that kind of thing, right? Like, i sure about that.
0: Our last episode was about that. Was
1: oh, well, that? fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, that's always been an area where the Austin community has been very strong and, and Kleiner's always had a strong interest in, right? And so um, I think with those kind of, you know, kernels to grow around, right, plus the companies that are moving out there, um, it's, you know, it's only going to expand. Right. Um, and so, you know, those are probably two of the big focus areas that I'm most excited about. But, you know, also once we get back to life as normal, right, like all these people who moved out, seeing South by, right, Austin City, all this, like, you know, all the culture. I think you're probably going to see more consumer
0: focused things as well. Mm-hmm. I know uh, I saw the day Bumble's IPO is on the horizon. So I don't know if you all are investors in there, but like that's inter- it's, it's interesting to see that company grow. Not grow, but it's interesting to see how that how that plays out. Um, but yeah, so let's move to. Uh, I want to just talk about advice for students. I mean, VC like it. Last decade or so, it's become a, you know it's like a this draw, right? Everyone wants to get a venture capital. Um, I in talking to you, you know, prior to the show about just your full full-on path to it. It wasn't it wasn't like you went to an MBA program and you know this. You're more from the technical side, but just on a broad level, from what you've seen, maybe the breadth of people you you know you. Worked with and your, your colleagues and other and, and other firms. What advice uh, would you give for students? Let's say uh, you know you're a, you're a, you're a sophomore, or junior, right? And you know you're you're trying you see this whole world of VC, you see the the capital out there, and just kind of like the, maybe the adventure of it all. I'm sure how you're, the, your day to day probably isn't what I have in my mind, <laughs> right? What I'm picturing in my mind, but just for people who are, who want to get exposed to it at least get a better sense of it like you know, on the ground, what advice would you give them?
1: That's a really good question. And it's a hard question for me to answer because I kind of fell into venture capital by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the best venture capitalists I know kind of found their way to venture capital via um, diverse paths. Um, and so maybe I will back up to actually talk a little bit about that day-to-day um, as, a, as a way of illuminating sort of the path, right? Because, you know, before I got into venture capital, uh, it, it seemed like the main thing that mattered was picking, right? Oh, identifying the best company and, you know, oh, this one's going to make it, that one's not going to make it. Um, and that is really important. Um, but it turns out that the game is actually, you know, 80% EQ and only 20% IQ.
0: Most most no, so no e- yeah, commercial quotients
1: emotional quotient as opposed to intelligence quotient, right? It's not about logicking through the technology, um, although that's important, right? That's sort of the the table stakes, but, you know, it's really about working with founders to build great companies, right? And so I think about, you know, some of the most critical and pivotal moments of my experience as an investor um, and, you know, as a board member, right? Is that it wasn't, oh, let's sit down and um, let me give you advice about, how you should build your laser transmitter, right? Like I've been out of the engineering game for ages. I don't know. But when your CEO comes to you and says, hey man, I've got six weeks of cash left in the bank. We've got these investors who are close, but they're not closing, can't get them to write the check, what do I do? And then sitting down with them, figuring that out, supporting them, helping them, guiding them, and you know, being there for them. Right, um, and having been in that situation myself, being able to translate that experience for them—that's where the real impact gets felt um, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. And so, for for people who are interested in going into VC, you know, I won't say the way, but maybe the way that I got there and many of my colleagues got there is to to know something about something, to go and you know start a company, build something, to go join a fast growing startup and you know see what it actually takes to go from zero to one to ten to a hundred to you know a billion right so that then you can take that experience and that understanding and that empathy and also those you know networks that you've built um to then go and help find and build the best companies
0: got you with that i want to thank you for your time, it's dr Miao Kwong, who's an investor kleiner perkins appreciated man and always good to catch up <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, AJ. It was
0: great being here.